everybody. Happy Friday. It's uh, Trevin McGee again with the Scene Stealer Podcast. I'm here with Trey Hawk. Hey. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. Good. I miss Eric. I know. Well, he can't. I know. He can't make it. It's, you know, he's he's an incredibly busy man, and his his success and his busyness makes me feel terrible about myself, which is why I'd like to see him around here so I can yeah, feel better about him. Just take him down a peg. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know... I guess I probably should have told you this before we started recording, but the real reason Eric isn't here is um, because I had to file a restraining order. Oh. And he's not really allowed to, he can't, um, he can't hang out with, he can't be within 50 feet of me, but he also, he can't call me, oh. which is how he would be on the podcast. So yeah. he can't, he can't call right. me. He can't, um, I mean, I knew me. things were getting awkward between you two. Yeah, well, it's so. just, it was when the Snapchat started. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I finally I warned you guys. That's just for sexting, and you didn't believe me. Well, he... I you mean, found out the hard way. I think he... It's just for sexting. Yeah, I think he took your advice, but <laughs> anyway, so a little bit of a rocky road there, but we'll move on. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. we got a couple of great, exciting events to talk about before we get into our two movies, which are RoboCop and Gloria. Um, and I wish that were a buddy comedy. Like, uh, yeah. I wish that were, yeah. you know. <laughs> that would but be great. no, two separate movies, Robocop and Gloria. Having been the one to see Gloria, her as the sidekick oh my God. would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, who would be the loose cannon? The robot or the Chilean? Oh, no, Gloria. Gloria, yeah. for oh, sure. easily. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Robocop well, would be getting too old for this shit. Yeah. No, I don't know how to do this. You know. <laughs> that kind of thing. This is not my protocol. Um, but before we get into those two movies, uh, we're going to talk about the events that we're really excited about. And I'm just going to go ahead with mine because I'm super excited about it. The annual uh, Scene Stealers, Lost in Reviews, Downright Creepy, Screenland Armor, Allied uh, Extravaganza Oscar Party is going to be March 2nd. Um, Screenland Armor Theater. Uh, get there before the Oscars start. We're recommending 730 or sooner. Because well, seven thirty is the hard. Oh, hard, is that the yeah, hard I think start? That, isn't that the oh, hard yeah, time? yeah. Well, then, yeah, seven thirty is when you have to. If you yeah. want to participate in the, the ballot, yeah, in the ballot, you have to have your. I believe you have to have your ballot turned in before seven thirty. Before the first um, category is announced. Yeah. So even if the Oscars have started, as long as they haven't given an award away, you can still like right. drop your ballot in. Um, this year we're doing a paper ballot. Uh, the online ballot has been a huge pain in the ass. And you know what? You need to take some accountability in your life. So print out a paper ballot, print out two, fill one out for yourself, fill one out for us, and drop it off along with $5, and you can win some really, really cool prizes. We're talking about signed posters. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of great stuff. I mean, there are always T-shirts. There are always posters. There's always a huge amount of swag. No yeah. one goes home empty-handed. It's always a great time, and it always fills up. Yeah. Warren Cantrell will be in town. He will. Um, they have lifted the uh, other restraining order on <laughs> Warren, which I so think, which I think was enacted after last Oscar yeah, party. Yeah, that's ironic. But it only, yeah. you know, he was he he got kind of kicked I out. I think his of the love state. of whiskey finally caught <laughs> up with him. It did. <laughs> yeah. So Warren Cantrell, our our Seattle correspondent slash author slash whiskey connoisseur, will uh, be there. And, uh, slash miscreant. Slash miscreant. <laughs> derelict. Yes, he'd exactly. stab, He stabbed me with a pen knife last year. Did I you mean, see that? You did deserve it. Yeah, to be fair. I had it 
Um, last year we gave away a ton of stuff. Um, we had a lot of fun with it. We have drinking games. We have so much stuff. Novelty items. Last year we had flasks from Gangster Squad. We had st- uh, pocket watches from Looper. We had uh, the the little uh, stuffed dog hat that Sam Rockwell wears in Seven <sighs> yeah. Psychopaths. I wore mine. I still have it, but I wore mine the entire uh, the entire time. We had brave wigs. Brave wigs. <laughs> Jojo Longbottom. It was his birthday, and he got a brave wig. Uh, we sang him happy birthday. It was just a lot of fun. We throw. We threw Silver Linings Playbook uh, footballs into the audience every time they mentioned the movie. Um, anytime someone yelled Argo, fuck yourself, we threw an Argo T-shirt into the crowd. Um, we do stuff like that. There's a drinking game. Um, so if you need an excuse, Warren will to be drink running more, trivia, I believe. Warren will be doing trivia during. The commercial breaks. Trey's going to have a big board that keeps track of the winners so you can quickly look and see how your ballot's doing compared to the official running um, tally. And the the reason it's significant is you can get all of that stuff without having to drop a ballot. But if you if you drop a ballot, you'll get – you could potentially win some really cool movie stuff. I there is stuff that we hold just for ballot prizes. Right, and I can't tell you what it is just yet. But to give you an idea, last year we gave away a signed poster for The Master that was signed by the director, Paul Thomas Anderson. And we gave away a signed flight poster that was signed by everybody except – was no, it was Denzel signed it too. I believe so. So, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, Zemeck, it was Robert it, Zemeckis, Denzel. It was the feature Denzel, cast and yeah, the director. John yeah. Goodman. Yeah, everybody everybody signed it. So yeah. And it was it's authentic. We checked it. We had it. We had it inspected. Yeah, totally. Certificate, certificate of authenticity. We're gonna give away some Mondo stuff. We're gonna give away uh, passes to the draft house. We're gonna give away just all kinds of things. And if you don't, if you haven't been to the Screenland Armor, you should you should go to that too, just because it's got they have more beers on tap than any other movie theater in the Midwest. It's really it really is a theater that's by movie lovers for movie lovers and we're just going to have a great time so we'd love to see you out there that's going to be march 2nd um hard start is at 7 30 get there early if you want uh, your choice of seats get there if you if you're coming with a big crowd get there really early so that you can all sit together but we'll be there you should be there too trey awesome. what's your what's your big fun event um, well, my big fun event, that is that is definitely my big fun event, yeah. too. But that's still March 2nd. It's a little ways away. We're going to be pumping that up the whole time. You really should be there. Oh, and, um, and look it up on Facebook. We have an event out on Facebook. If you just type in KC Oscar Party. I think that's um, what it is. It'll, it'll pull up a search result. And the postcard so. designs or the poster designs mm-hmm. for it are really amazing. Yeah, yeah. So. And I believe that was Tim from Downright Creepy. That awesome, did those. Yeah. awesome. Um, so, so I'm really excited about the Oscar party also, but if you're looking to do something a little sooner than that, um, this Sunday film school is showing taxi driver. Mm. So 535 Alamo draft house. Um, you should start coming to the film school series if you're not coming anyway. Um, we've already shown Brazil. We show, we showed rear window. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great by that transfer was beautiful. It was amazing. Yeah. It was really pretty. I, I, um, I love seeing Hitchcock films in the theater. Talk yeah. about a guy who just knew his medium. And knew know? how to play to a big screen. Yeah, that's what so I So he was, you know, he's crafting those films for a big screen. And, and you can still get enjoyment out of them on a small screen. But you don't pick up the level of detail that he was capable of. Right. Unless you're watching it on a big screen. Because you just don't see it. Especially with a movie like Rear Window. I mean, the set in that film, like... 
books have been written just about that set. Of course. Because of how, how amazingly intricate and detailed it was. So. so anyway, this weekend is Taxi Driver. Um, I mean, you guys know it. You love it. You should come and see it with other people who feel the same way. Mm-hmm. You should shave your head into mohawks. Yes. Before you come. Yes. Wear black aviator glasses. That would be, yeah. yeah. Don't do that, necessarily. Okay. Well, that's what Just, I was going to yeah. do. So. Yeah, wow. don't, don't do that. I love your beautiful red mane. <laughs> it, um, it is amazing. So, anyway, but yes, come to Taxi Driver this weekend. It's going to be a good time. It's an amazing film, and uh, it's fun to see stuff like that with other people. It definitely is. And if you came to Scorsese late, like for me... I, you know, just because of my age, the first Scorsese movie I ever saw, I caught Goodfellas on like grainy HBO mm-hmm. uh, when I was like 13, and it was still so good that I couldn't not um, watch it. And it's if that if that was your jumping off point for Scorsese, if more recently, uh, even The Wolf of Wall Street or The Departed or Gangs of New York, if those films were were the your sort of initial introduction to Scorsese. You really got to explore his back catalog. You really have to look at his early films, uh, specifically Taxi Driver. I still, I don't know about you, Trey, but I, I still think that's his best movie. I think. I have a hard time. I, I go back yeah, and forth. It's, I, it speaks he, to his strength, especially for the seventies. Yeah, to me, to Raging his... Bull is his perfect film because really? he was just did not compromise on anything on yeah. that. Um, you know, once he committed to do Raging Bull, it's just it was. Hugh totally owned it. Yeah. And there was still a level of compromise to get the R uh, with Taxi Driver. Yeah. I mean, some of it just comes in color correction, but... <laughs> yeah. Right. Blood's not that red exactly. in real life. Or that orange. Or that orange, yeah. Um, but... Thank, but, thank but God that was orange blood. Of, uh, that scene's not really violent because the blood's orange. Right. You know. Right. I mean, and I know it's silly, but there still is a level of of appeasing the beast right. with Taxi Driver. Right. And there's not in Raging Bull. Um, and then the polish that comes later on is just different. It's yeah. just different. It doesn't have the sort of grit and edge that that a Taxi Driver. But I agree. Taxi Driver is. It's a stunning film. It really is. And it and the one thing that it does that also The Wolf of Wall Street does, because I think Wolf of Wall Street's really split a lot of people. Um, and I would say if you love that, or hate Wolf of Wall Street based on your feelings towards Scorsese, you need to come and see agreed. Taxi yeah. But the thing that it does and Wolf does, and it's something that Scorsese, I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for being able to do this, is he just presents the situation and lets you kind of make your own decisions. It's obvious like he doesn't moralize or demoralize Travis Bickle. He doesn't, you know, he's a disturbing character because you decide he's disturbing, but you look at like the punk movement and how he, you know, especially for the hardcore punk movement, how he kind of became, you know, a a fixture of that or the Mm -hmm. idea of that. I mean, even, you know, the clash had, that entire soliloquy he has, you know, about um, how, you know, a real rain's going to come and wash all this scum sure. away. Sure. You know, that's disturbing. Yeah. But he leaves it yeah. up to you to make those decisions. Yeah. And he does the same thing with Wolf of Wall Street where, you know, you're seeing a character that – or a person that's doing some really debauched, terrible things. But it's up to you to make that decision because he doesn't. He doesn't, you know, ram it down your throat. And it's interesting because with some historical perspective, I think we have come to see Travis Bickle 
and the way we should approach him mm-hmm. as pretty simple, yeah, relatively straightforward and clear cut. Yeah. Um, but I think that at the time that it was released, it wasn't quite that clear. No. Um, no. And, and that it was much more sort of uh, that this was that there were people who would agree with him unironically. Right. Um, yeah. Now it's a little bit, I think, a little more difficult to make that claim with, yeah. with the perspective that kind of comes with 30 or 40 years. But uh, it definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> having having the benefit of time definitely helps. But sure. anyway, that's Taxi Driver, Alamo Draft House, yeah. Sunday at 5. 5.30. 5.30. Yeah. So be there. It's $5. Uh, this one's 7. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It, yeah. Sorry. Be there at seven dollars. Um, still, it's I mean, it's total steal. You're yeah. never going to get to see. You know, film school is an absolute necessity. If you if you love cinema and and the experience that seeing a film um, can take on when you see it with a group of people, when you see it in a theater, when you see it where it's where the way it was meant to be seen. I mean, like Rear Window. I'm glad that I got to see that for the first time. Yeah. Did you come to Brazil also? No, I missed it. I was driving back and oh, I, I got right. too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen it at Liberty Hall, which they're doing sure. They're doing their own uh, stuff. But yeah, I, I yeah. missed it. But I've always wanted to see that in a theater and too. The other, the thing about film school, and I'll just you know kind of tease it in there real quick, um, the entire series is curated by a student group that I'm faculty advisor for at the Kansas City Art Institute. And I am... Uh, you know, I, I will encourage, I'll nudge, I'll suggest, but when it comes to actually voting on what films uh, get shown or screened and what films don't, I'm very hands-off. They get right. to do it. And so because of that, you get this this real, I think, eclectic mix. We've got a panel of five students, and you get this really eclectic mix from cult films to classic American to foreign fare to, you know, just all different stuff. Um, and I think it's really exciting. It gives you the, this sort of ability to go and see films in the theater and then go and, you know, we, we always hang out. If you want to talk about them, you, you know, you can yeah. come up and chat with us. Um, but it's just really exciting to see good films with other cinephiles. So I, I got to see Robocop with Eric, they, you know, um, via satellite cause we can't be in the same room, but I got to see RoboCop, the remake from uh, the director Jose Padilla, who did um, um, some foreign uh, cop movies, Elite Squad, the Elite Squad series of films. I don't know um, this. Yeah, it was kind of a gritty kind of crime mm-hmm. um, series. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were really concerned about this remake for RoboCop. RoboCop, the original, has a, you know, massive cult following. It's one of the early Par- Paul Verhoeven films. It's remarkably, remarkably, remarkably satirical and about the, especially about the Reagan era, you know, privatization of the military and of the police force and things like that. Um, it's just a, you know, and it, and it, like a lot of good Verhoeven movies like Starship Troopers, it mocks uh, the media. It doesn't let them off the hook. Uh, and it really goes to some interesting places. It's also just a really kick-ass, um, ultra-violent action movie that's, you know, it's got its own sense of humor. It's really funny. I don't think Verhoeven, maybe Starship Troopers, maybe with Starship Troopers, but I can't think of anything else that I, I return to more often than RoboCop for a lot of reasons. Um, no Total Recall for you? I ha- I own it. On, yeah. And I, I watch it every now and then and love it. Uh, the Schwarzenegger commentary track is amazing. Have you have you I seen haven't. any of this? Yeah, it's there. You can you can check this out on YouTube. 
Um, there's no reason you should watch the entire movie with uh, Schwarzenegger's commentary, but he just narrates what's happening on screen the entire time. So it's it's hilarious because in his voice that you know that scene when he's disguised as the woman he's like in this scene I'm the woman but they don't know I'm the woman and now they're mad at me and I, it's a bomb like he just he like <laughs> just bomb. he like says exactly so what's happening it's almost like the uh, the um, literal the music subtitles. videos yeah you know it almost it's just is. describing. Yeah, it's happening? incredible. There's no insight. It's just him, like, kind of saying to you, like, what's happening. And they, they, they don't know that I've taken the tracking device out of my head, and it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so to get back to RoboCop, there were a lot of people that were concerned about the remake for obvious reasons. Um, the, the original's a cult classic. Um this new guy, this director, Jose Padilla, nobody knows. People were concerned about the suit. People were concerned about the cast. I think you and you know. I were even concerned. Oh, I, I thought it was going to be terrible yeah. based on what I'd seen early and everything. So maybe I just had low expectations going in. I mean, I know I had low expectations. But, um, and I can speak for Eric as well. We were both pleasantly surprised with the new RoboCop. That's amazing. It is its own film, which is what it needs to be. Um it it is satirical in its own way, but it takes on some in a modern, new updated in way. In a new or? updated okay. way, yeah. It 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 takes on. Um, there's a very obvious satirical approach to the sort of conservative pundit talk shows that we've seen of late, uh, with the rise of Fox News and everything else. Um, Sam Jackson, his character hosts a uh, like a running. Um, he actually opens the film and is returned to several times for this uh, this uh, talk show called the Novak Effect. I think it's called. Nice, nice. And it kind of kickstarts the beginning of the movie because he's asking, you know, why is America so robophobic? Why are we afraid to use these? We use them abroad to keep everybody safe, and we right. use everyone, you know, like it, it so showcases. So even addresses drones, use mm-hmm. of drones. Oh yeah, he specifically discusses it at the beginning, and then he bookends it. Um, at the end. So that's one of the very early examples of this movie tackles drone warfare. It tackles the idea of using a machine to do a human's job and what that means. Um, It really tacitly and kind of disturbingly brushes over uh, our lack of privacy, but in a compelling and believable way, Um, especially basically Detroit has a closed circuit uh, camera system that runs out just about every inch of the city. Mm-hmm. And and it just kind of references it. And because of recent things like the NSA, because of London and the fact that it's, you know, the, the rise of CCTV in, in major cities anyway, it's not unbelievable at all. It's It just right. seems organic to the story. So the general premise is the same. You have a cop, Alex Murphy, who is, um, in this film, he's not killed in the line of duty. He's uh, critically wounded in the line of duty, and this giant possibly mortally wounded. Uh, no, he's going to survive. Okay, but it's it's not going to be a good life survival. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And um, there's this company, OCP Omnicorp, that's headed by Michael Keaton's character Raymond Sellers. They desperately they're the guys behind all the drone warfare and the, the on the ground robots, the ED two oh nines and other machines abroad that we use, but he can't get the government to sign off on using them domestically. 
there's an act in place that they can't um, they can't really um, do that yet. It's yeah. it's there's there's a law that prevents it. So he comes up with this workaround. We need to make a version of this that's got a face, that's got a personality, that's a human being um, in the eyes of people. That's going to be our way into the, the American markets. That's going to mean big money for us over the long term. All these private contracts, everything. So, so do they merge two characters into the one? Pretty much. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he's kind of a combination of that, and he's sort of he, the thing about him that I like is, and and the, and they don't really do this enough except for the very end. But he is not necessarily an like a bad character. He's just motivated by his desire to be a successful yeah he's company yeah you know so like it's it's, it's not yeah i mean it. it's just capitalism like yeah. he's kind of a stand-in for that yeah you know um so he enlists his uh his star doctor uh dr dennett norton which is played by gary oldman and um he enlists him who's he's got a very interesting early scene where he's making these huge um um groundbreaking developments in uh, prosthetics, things mm-hmm. like that, and so he's he's working with wounded warriors and doing things like that. Well, this is the ultimate project for him, you know, to take a person who is um, a quadriplegic, yeah, who's never gonna walk again, who can't see, who you know, and 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 give him his life back, yeah. And that's kind of the devil's bargain he makes, because the film really. One way that it separates itself from the original RoboCop is it really focuses on the sort of Frankenstein aspects of the story. Um, Dr. Norton being the stand-in for Frankenstein here. It does not shy away from what they do to Alex Murphy to make him RoboCop. There's a scene that's very, very disturbing that alludes to this. I mean, directly acknowledges it, doesn't allude to it. It it literally shows a mirror up to what's being done to him. Yeah. Um, And it's touches like that. It's details like that that make this film more than just a, you know, crappy remake of a campy film that, you know, built a decent cult following in the 80s. It's his it's his decision as a director to humanize these characters and give motivation and then to also slow down. It'll do some action some big action set pieces and it does them quite well. There's a, a training session that's very kinetic and very well made early in the film. And that is immediately followed by debates over every decision that goes into RoboCop is done in a very believable way. They treat him like a product. So his look is decided by focus group. And so it cuts straight from this well-directed battle scene where they're testing to see whether or not he's combat ready Mm -hmm. to a focus group. And them deciding, you know, what color should he be? What should he look like? What if he did this? They have all these really dumb ideas. There's one where he, like, transforms and, and like, police lights pop out of his shoulders and turn on. Like, there are all these bad ideas. Yeah. And they But they focus group him yeah. and test him. And cha- that's that's how he gets the color he gets. And that's it's, – it's everything that looked like it was going to be dumb and campy from the trailers or from the, the posters yeah. is given weight and merit in the film. Huh. And that really impressed me, except for his stupid human hand. I'm never going to get over that. That drives me fucking crazy that they gave him a human hand. Like, they managed to salvage his hand. So he's got a robo hand, and then he's got a... Human hand? Human hand. And I don't know why they did that. he needs that soft touch. He needs that soft touch yeah, so he can tickle the ivories again. Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't hurt that 
uh, Pity has got an amazing cast to work I, with. I want there to be a hidden scene where it's like, I got my hand back. Ha- yeah. <laughs> happy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've at least got my hand. We've only just begun. Right. Uh, he's got a great cast to pull from, and everybody does a fantastic job. Jackie Earl Haley, who I've um, liked for a long time, just showcases versatility again. He's actually very menacing and intimidating here as a, as a villain, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed. Um, Gary Oldman does a lot more with his character than he could have. The, a lot of the dramatic weight falls on his shoulders, and you actually believe a lot of the decisions that he makes for being uh, complicated or conflicting with how he feels he really is trying to do greater good mm-hmm. and he kind of sells his soul in the process sure and, and that's a any he, he he carries that well um sam jackson just kind of does his usual uh he's in he's in normal sam jack mode he's not really doing anything but is he well different. cast for the role but he is well cast okay. for the role yeah so all in all i was incredibly impressed by the execution the story the direction the story takes um, I loved how the cop scenes before Murphy becomes Robocop are very gritty mm-hmm. and well done. I mean, it really is a nod to his elite squad stuff. Um, and I, so I, 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 that fit great. And then he had a great cast to work with and, and he didn't waste any of them. There's nobody in here that doesn't belong in the role that they've got. Even Jay Baruchel is in it as sort of a sleazy marketing guy. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he doesn't get a lot to do, but what he does get to do, he does well. So, so all, all those things come out. You know, I got to give it, I'm not going to go full. I'm not like crazy about it. I am glad that it turned out the way that it did. Um, I'd give it a solid. I'd give it a solid. You think solid even stuff. beyond yeah. a minor? Yeah. Okay. I think it does. I think it does enough to distinguish itself from a minor. A minor to me is a movie that does more right than wrong, but isn't that compelling. Sure. And this just, I mean, it tips the scales into being compelling. But and this yeah. one had a really hard task. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It, there is, there is a ton of love out there for the original RoboCop. Yeah. Um, you know. And the other thing, it, it's, it avoids fan service, unnecessary, unnecessary fan service. There are like lines and, 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 Bits that nod to the original, sure. but none of them are overt or heavy-handed. I mean, it, it's a great kind of. So, better. is there a dead or alive? You're coming with me. He does say that. Right. There's one of those. Um, at one point, a character says, "I wouldn't buy that for a dollar." Yeah. But it, it's not like out of none of it's out of place. Sure, sure. It all kind of it it all works in in context to the story, which is a pretty great way to sum up how this film works in general. Yeah. Within its own context in the world that Pitya builds, it totally makes sense and works. And then he uses good actors and, and sharp casting to anchor it. Yeah. So it's a solid for me. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. I'm going to have I, to check this one out. So, cause I, you know, I, I kind of, I was skeptical too. Yeah. And it's really exciting to hear that it's just kind of an awesome retelling. Yeah. Uh, instead of just being a sort of cheesy yeah. throwback, it it overtips its satire at the very very end. That's like the the final scene kind of disappointed me that they just kind of outright said it's kind of like when someone starts an essay. The thesis of this paper is yeah. It's kind of that yeah. that level of shortcut. It's like their conclusion is, and yeah. so now I have just and talked. about So in this. conclusion, in yeah, conclusion, I have just written this that paper may about as well, this thing. Yeah, yeah, that may as well have been how it ends. There's that. That's like the most disappointing part. To yeah, it. but well, solid, solid. Exciting. Yeah, I don't know what Eric came down on, but uh, that that's where I'm. Well, at. he's not here. Yeah, so, so let's just never talk. Yeah, about I don't it. ever want to talk about it. <laughs> Tell me about Gloria. All right, G L O R I A. 
Gloria is a foreign film. It's a Chilean film. Okay. Uh, the director, who I had never heard of, uh, Sebastian uh, Lilio. Okay. And it is about a woman named Gloria. She is in her late 50s. She is divorced, has two adult children, uh, and works a job, goes out on the weekends by herself, and is perfectly content sitting at the bar having a cocktail alone. Or if somebody comes up and asks her to dance, she's totally she's totally game. Yeah. Um, and I have it's to say... a lot say, like my mom. It's, it's it's just this is a film about your mom. You know the <laughs> funny thing about this is that there probably aren't a lot of ways that I could describe it that would seem really compelling, but I will say this that it is not one of these films that is life begins at 50, life right. begins at 60, you know. You got to go back at hey, you've just gotten divorced, go back out there and grab life, you know. It's not that. It very much is a relatively honest, and because of this, pretty, like, funny and sad mm -hmm. look at the life of a 58-year-old divorcee. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you get to see her interactions with her kids. She starts dating this guy uh, about a third of the way through the film, and their relationship is awkward and... And like it would be at 50. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he also, he, he has an ex-wife who's an invalid who con continues to need his help. I love that you laughed at that. Well, well, but, but I, it's, it's not so much that I, I laugh at it. I'm laughing at my thoughts of the movie that he uses it as a crutch yeah. to like keep distance sure. within his relationship with Gloria. So there's all of these problems. Um, you know, uh, at one point, he, she drives away from him as as he's, like, banging on her window going, No, no, no! I love you! No, I love you! And she's just, like, smoking a cigarette and driving away. Um, he he owns an amusement park. All right. And so she uh, she ends up going and playing paintball with him. Um, but it's, it's really interesting how they get some of that stuff in there. And the other thing is, is she doesn't like it. Like, it doesn't, like, reinvigorate her love of life. Right. She's just like, people pay to do this? <laughs> like, it's a really great 58-year-old woman response. Yeah. Um, and I just found it really refreshing. That it's like there are times where she is is portrayed as, very, as, as pretty attractive. Right. Um, and there are times where... Uh, where the director really accentuates, uh, really accentuates the fact that she's an older woman. Um, so he'll light her so that it really kind of makes her look a little jowly, a little lined. Um, uh, there are some incredibly beautiful shots that just yeah. kind of like isolate Gloria. Um, and moments, uh, I would say, of real loneliness, but it's it, it comes off as a weird loneliness. Like, this is a woman who has kind of... Almost like like isolation, maybe? <laughs> yeah, isolation, but she's not withdrawing, necessarily. And she's not kind of giving up or wallowing. But you can tell that, you know, when she's having... When Gloria's having, having trouble with, with her lover, Rodolfo, mm -hmm. that 
that there's kind of almost this sort of pissed off loneliness to her. There's real backbone to this character. And and she's like, all right, well, I guess I'm spending the night alone. I'm going to sidle up to the bar and get wasted. You know, it's very much this this kind of uh, this kind of like loneliness with with still stamina and backbone. Right. It's also uh, the I will say the actress's name is Paulina Garcia. The guy who plays her lover is Sergio Hernandez, uh-huh. and he wears this corset. To hold in his belly. Oh, no. Which, and there are some pretty graphic and pretty full frontal sex scenes. Um, And when they are getting undressed, he has to, like, undo his corset and his belly, like, falls out. Oh, man. That's hot. but, But that's the thing, is that it's kind of wonderful because so often, like, what you see is, is not real is 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 you know uh, worked for at huge cost and you know personal trainers and what whatnot and it's really great that like gloria you know that that uh paulina garcia when she's naked she looks like uh, you know sometimes a relatively attractive 58 year old woman right but she looks she looks real you know, and and same with the same with Rodolfo. He he looks real. He's got a little pot belly, and he looks kind of awkward naked. Um, and and so I guess the term that I have overused is this sort of sense of reality that it really kind of grounds it in the world of that you would kind of speculate of of a fun and a funny and somewhat lonely. 58-year-old woman. Right. And if you were to treat that kind of honestly, uh, this is kind of what you get. Um, I found it really I found it really compelling. Yeah. And there are a lot of specific little individual moments that come out. And it really is not... It's not sort of going for a huge arc. It really is just almost like a big character study. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just focused on this this one this one woman. Um, so it's really just a sort of series of kind of small events. You see her interacting with her son, and they have this kind of interesting relationship because he's estranged from his wife and he's got a oh, child. Right. Yeah. Um, you see her with her daughter, who is uh, a tattooed yoga instructor, um, and then you see. You see them all together for uh, her son Pedro's birthday. Um, and so it's Pedro and Anna, the children, the adult children, Pedro's uh, child, and then um, Gloria's ex-husband and his younger and more beautiful new wife. Um, and then Gloria brings Rodolfo, and it's just sort of this awkward thing, obviously, the father was was kind of estranged from the children, and it fell to Gloria to raise them because there's this really awkward moment where the father is like banging the table, looking at pictures where of his children where he's not in them. Yeah, and he's like crying, and was like, "I should have been there. I should have been there." And like everybody's like, "No, it's okay. It's okay." Yeah. And he's like, "God, it's not okay." And it's, you're just like, "This is so awkward," and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. So it's just. If that sounds remotely interesting to you, you should really go see this. Um, 
where do you uh, where's your rating? At? You know, I'm going solid on it. I, yeah. I, and the more I think about it, the more I I just really enjoyed this film. It's one that sits and marinates really well in your brain too. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just really great, and it looks beautiful too. Yeah. Shot beautifully. Uh, it's acted very well. Um, so it's just it's just really good. It's not going to be for everybody. It sure. is a Chilean foreign film about a fifty-eight-year-old woman. Well, that's so, got that's got box office just written is, all over it, is, doesn't it? This is not going to be for everybody. But if you're looking for something that is really kind of different, um, it's it's really good. It's really really good. Awesome. And this will be at the Tivoli on uh, Friday. Yeah, Tivoli yep. and Glenwood both. Yeah. So maybe potential Valentine's Day movie. No. Maybe. No. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. Never. Yeah. No. Yeah, this would also be an awkward one to take your mom, so it's not a Mother's Day one either. <laughs> so when should you go see this? Yeah, <laughs> just by yourself, okay. alone in the by dark, yourself. just okay. like Gloria. Perfect. <laughs> well, that's all we've got. Those are the two movies. So two solid rock fists this week, Robocop and Gloria. <laughs> I'm still loving this buddy cop movie. Yeah, well, now that you've explained Gloria, that sounds like it would be perfect. Yeah, it really would be. 60-year-old Chilean. Yeah. Yeah. She's a loose cannon. (laughs) She would be. RoboCop's got a rainer in at all times. She's got these big, beautiful, like, wonderful 80s glasses (laughs) that she wears all the time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. You could see, like, RoboCop vision, and then it cuts to her, and it's actually her looking through her giant glasses. That's why she keeps wearing them. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, that's it. Two movies. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely go see Taxi Driver this weekend. Five thirty Alamo Draft House on Sunday, the sixteenth, and uh, March second is our great big, great big uh, Oscar party out at the Screenland Armor. Uh, get there before seven thirty. It's going to be expect, a good time. Yeah, we expect to see you at both of them. You should be, or you're dead to me. All right, we'll see you next week. All right. <laughs>